the In Search of America podcast, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. Music by Keith Medley at keithmedleymusic.com. It was already a balmy 72 degrees Fahrenheit when I arrived at the community center in Eunice, Louisiana at 7 a.m. Mardi Gras morning. Not many people had arrived yet, although the floats were already lined up along the roadsides and in the parking lot. Music was blaring from a few of the floats, mostly Cajun and Zydeco music, but there was also a little rap mixed in. But they all blended together almost seamlessly in the humid morning air. By 8 a.m., the masses began to arrive. Many people were dressed in the traditional costumes made from strips of various materials looking like some type of urban camouflage. Once inside the building, they registered, got banded, and then had the traditional shot of whiskey to make it official. Just after 9 a.m., with more than 1,100 people gathered, the first chicken was thrown in the field just beside the community center. I ran with the chasers, vying for good positioning to photograph from, and when the chicken was thrown, it landed abruptly against my shins, stopping immediately. Without hesitation, the horde of chicken chasers were descending upon me as if I were the ball carrier in a rugby match, and my well-being was completely incidental and irrelevant to their mission, their mission being the one who captures the chicken. With that event now completed, the 13-mile parade got underway. I was given permission to ride in the lead trailer owned by Dale Swallow. The trailer was already filled to capacity, or so I thought, but as the parade progressed, I realized time and time again just how wrong I was with that assumption. Within the first half mile, we arrived at the second location for a chicken toss. And like Pavlov's dogs, costume competitors made their way to the field, most with a beer in their hand. Posturing, dancing, and even antics were all part of the ritualistic displays that were enacted. The Mardi Gras Capitaine entered the field on horseback. His purple cape fluttered in the wind. With his left hand, he held the reins, and in his right hand, with his arm outstretched, he held securely the chicken. About 60 yards out, he tossed the chicken into the air. Its wings flapping, it settled to the ground, and without hesitation, it broke into a full-out run, combined with erratic maneuvers all calculated to avoid capture. Soon, however, the chicken was brought to a halt. The victor rose from the pile of vanquished competitors, holding the chicken high for all to see. As the victor reached the waiting spectators, people clamored for the opportunity to pet the chicken and to congratulate the conquering hero. The prairie Cajun Mardi Gras is far different than the Mardi Gras of New Orleans, the one that most people are familiar with. This Mardi Gras is steeped in the traditions of those who settled the prairie lands of South Louisiana. The costumes, much like the costumes of New Orleans, are worn to mock what the person most dislikes or has great disdain for. Here, in the land of the Prairie Cajuns, that was, in the early days, a disdain for the royal class and the upper classes of people. This is why many participants wear costumes that include the tall pointed caps, called capuchons. In American culture, these hats became known as the dunce cap. 
But instead of these capuchons being the stark white cardboard hats that we think of as dunce caps, they are instead adorned with fabric, jewels, and other adornments all befitting the French aristocracy of old. The most common costumes, and the most traditional, are made from old worn clothing. Then attached to these articles of clothing are strips, hundreds and hundreds of strips of fabric that have been torn from other old worn out clothes. There is also a traditional mask that is required. It is made from window screen and painted with a face on it, and it is large enough to cover the entire face of the person wearing it. This mask is actually an amazing piece of artistry. Its purpose is to completely obscure the face of the person wearing it, but not obscure their vision. And even though you can see the person's face beneath the mask, it is impossible to recognize them. The mask, when painted properly, combines the features of the person with the features of the mask resulting in a most surreal effect. It also bears mentioning that each person who participates in this Mardi Gras parade goes by a fictitious name. No one uses their real name. It is complete anonymity, and that is also part of the tradition. But as time has evolved, so have the costumes. In fact, the variety of costumes runs a gambit that is almost impossible to include entirely. Several people wore variations of costumes made from swamp moss. Another, a man well over six feet tall, was dressed as a woman wearing a coal black wig and carried a lunch pail. I'm not really sure what that one was all about, but he looked great. The parade encompasses about 13 miles, most of it through the countryside of Eunice, passing farmland, crawfish ponds, and rice fields. The last several miles pass through the more residential outskirts of Eunice, then finally pass through the downtown area where the streets are lined to capacity with spectators. At the halfway point, where the dirt road makes a sharp left and then a sharp right between two large fields, the parade stops for lunch. Dale Swallow and another man stand on the back of a long flatbed trailer, hovering over two coolers and passing out lengths of boudin. After filling their stomachs with food, many participants collapse in the grassy areas just along the edge of the road. Many take a nap while others simply rest their muscles, while yet others know the perils of doing either and just continue to walk around. The first to enter the town are those on horseback, several dozen at least. Periodically, one rider will stand on the back of his horse, and for the well-seasoned rider, they will even do a little dance. This is a tradition that dates back to the very beginnings of this event. Next are the floats. These are canopied trailers that carry people throughout the parade who throw beads to the spectators that have gathered along the route. As the beads land, it is common to see one of the walkers, dressed in full costume, approach the recipient of the beads. But this approach is not as benign as it may sound at first utterance. The costume man or woman, it's impossible to tell behind the masks, approaches the recipient, many times a child, and begins begging to have the beads for themselves. Sometimes the costume walkers are friendly, but other times they may display antics or slightly aggressive maneuvers, but they never follow through. And following behind the floats are the costume walkers themselves. By the time they reach the downtown area, most are sufficiently snookered. Some, those who have visited the crawfish ponds, are also a little bit ripe, both in appearance and in scent. 
Those with the energy will perform displays of antics, while others simply parade by with the dignity of their place in society. In both years that I attended, it was quite clear that I was not from around these parts. It was quite clear that I was not even from Louisiana. And yet both years I was brought into the fold without hesitation. Last year, by 6.10 a.m., I was handed the inaugural shot of whiskey. This year, within two minutes, literally two minutes of climbing onto the float, I was handed a small plastic cup with a shot of strawberry cream vodka as the inaugural shot for the float, to be thrown back with all the locals at once. I was made part of this community, and forever a piece of this community will remain a part of me. These, I believe, are the simple ways, the simple ways and the most effective ways to build bridges between people, between cultures, and between societies. These are bridges that, once built, are nearly impossible to break down. These are the bridges that hold. These are the bridges that last and maintain peace and understanding between people. The In Search of America podcast, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. Music by Keith Medley at keithmedleymusic.com.